Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Saturday morning, up and down the Wasatch Front. I'm Jay Catch, joined as always by Michelle Bodkin. Michelle, what's up? Oh, not not a whole lot. I'm I'm here on a Saturday. <laughs> as always, come on now. Uh, the funny thing is, so you pointed this out last week. We've been doing this show together for over a year now. Uh-huh. I had no idea it'd been that long. So props to you on realizing that, by the way. Like I said, very like kind of last minute, uh-huh. huh? <laughs> if if I've been actually at KSL for a year, that also means I've been doing this show for a year. That's a good point, so. yeah. So always fun. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. We got Corey producing for us today. Corey, what's up, my man? How's it going? Doing well. Um, so, Corey, I think some people have gotten to know your name a little bit. You're uh, one of our more recent additions to the staff. Yep. But you have a sports radio background. I do, yes. Well, uh, you, moved here from Kansas City. Yeah. I uh, was a talk show host there, had a midday show for- Then why did you leave? Come on now. Uh, the wife. <laughs> We uh, had an opportunity sure. that the family could not say no to for her job, so I had to give that up, but uh, I've had a lot of fun coming here and being part of the sports zone here at KSL, so it's been a good time. Yeah, happy wife, happy life, right? That's right, yeah, for sure. Smart man. You, you, you realize that a lot quicker than a lot of people it feels like <laughs> out there. All right, so we're going to have some fun on today's show. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about potential additions to the pro sports uh, market here in Salt Lake City. A report earlier this week, uh, I guess over the last weekend, I guess, that's potentially, but Elliot Friedman uh, up there at Sportsnet up there in Canada wrote about Ryan Smith and apparently a meeting between him and Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, about potentially bringing National Hockey League uh, franchise to Salt Lake City. We'll let you hear the conversation that Elliot Friedman had with Jake and Ben coming up later on on today's show. We will also... uh, 
Talk plenty of Utah Jazz. Their season officially will come to a close tomorrow as they were eliminated from postseason contention with their loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Thursday. They got games today and tomorrow. They'll wrap things up. And along the way, we'll get to technical fouls. Five minutes of talk some RSL. We got a lot to cover. We also got to talk spring ball as well. Uh, Utah having, is it their first scrimmage today? Yes. Of spring ball? Uh-huh. Okay. It's always an interesting one because spring ball can be so finicky about like, okay, what's real and what's not when you're looking at it, but we'll get into all of that. But as we always do on the show, let's get to what the highlight of everybody's week. Michelle, will you start us off? Yeah. Like, I was actually trying to think about this on the way in because I was like, you know what? It was kind of a quiet week. Maybe maybe that's just the highlight of the week. Not a bad thing. Uh, after, after weeks and weeks of weeks of feeling like just sure. like constantly on the run, this week was kind of slow and I kind of liked it. That's not, a, that, Kate, that's not a bad thing, especially in our industry, is having just a kind of a, a, a slow week. I, mine was similar, but uh, I actually bought a car this week. Ooh. <laughs> Don't ask why. It's just it was time to upgrade. Uh, the funny thing about this is, is the car that I was driving, my my, my Chevy Cruze, mm-hmm. it predates my marriage to my wife. It's been it's been with me for a long time. Oh, the bachelor car. Oh yeah. It, it, she actually she she's known about the car the entire time we were dating when I got it. Uh-huh. But it, I've had it for it was nine plus years. Wow. Long time. Yeah. Went through a lot of different things with me, and now I have a new new vehicle to call home and. It's kind of weird to adapt to a new car after being mm-hmm. so used to my rig that I literally had been driving four years every single day. I Yeah, I get that. It's it's always an adjustment to learn where everything is. I will tell you, mm-hmm. my car, I've had it for, it'll be three years in October. Mm-hmm. I still have not figured out how to change the time on it. So only it's only right half the year. <laughs> Michelle. You haven't been able to adjust the clock? It's really just more I don't care to. Fair enough, okay. Like, I don't want to sit there and, like, go through the hassle of figuring it yeah. out okay. every, every, every like, six months or so. So, it's you know what? It's fine. It's off by an hour. Sure. As long as I know the minute part, exactly. you, then we're good. You, got, you, you know how to adapt to it. Okay, that's the interesting This new car, i got to say, I've got more technology in this new car that I've got than I can ever hoped i think truly understand and comprehend but nonetheless i'm i'm, I'm guessing when it, the clock switch again coming up in the fall michelle i might have that exact same problem i'm not 100 certain where i need to go to actually do that my old car i could have done it in about two right seconds. yeah like I, most of these new cars i just feel like it's too complicated push this button <laughs> go into this menu do uh-huh. this do that it's like i'm not going to remember that nor do i want to pull out my owner's manual every six months to go through this process again so it can just be wrong for half the year it's fine i had to go through a tutorial literally with the guy at the dealership about my new car like he's like okay here's how you do this here's any questions i'm like so many but i'm i'm, I'm it would take Three we're, more, we're just going to drive away. Three more hours <laughs> if I were to drive away now and hope but for the best. The biggest thing is it's it's an electric hybrid. Ooh, I like that. Pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Like the ability, it has still the gas engine part of it, but I'm able actually to drive from here, like from my home to work at, on one electric charge and oh, drive back. Nice. I can charge it here at work. So I'm not technically using gas to go back and forth. That's really nice. So, new feature, you know, one of those cool things. I like that. Technology moves us along. All right, Corey, uh, before we get too deep into the cars, what's the highlight of your week, my friend? Well, 
I was on a golf trip with my buddies in Florida right. this last weekend and got back on Tuesday. So that's clearly uh, got to go down to Florida and get out of the snow yes. and out of the bad weather and play some golf. So that was clearly the highlight. What part of Florida? Uh, it's between Tampa and Orlando. It's okay. a resort called Stream Song. Okay. Uh, they converted. They've got three courses out there. So I did that. And then Tiger made the cut this morning. Yeah. Uh, Justin Thomas. Uh, self-destructed tiger needed justin thomas to, to self-destruct to do that and yes. he went bogey bogey to finish and tiger made his 23rd consecutive masters cut mm-hmm. which ties the all-time record which is pretty cool who who held the record do we know uh fred couples and i oh, think it was, it was jack I, I can't jack, remember okay. i think it was freddie and jack I, I i just i remember them saying he was going for a record tying 23rd made yep. cut so all right awesome well i'm jealous you got to get out of the snow and go golfing but Weather getting better around It here. is. Supposed to be hit uh, mid-70s by Tuesday. But I'm not the baller you are. You've got an electric hybrid. I, I mean, d- come on. D- d- trust me. <laughs> it was... I've been needing to upgrade my car. Did not anticipate the day I bought it I was going to buy it, but found the one and decided, you know what, let's pull the trigger on it. There you go. Congratulations. Yeah. The problem is having a car payment once again. All grown's up. It's, it's been about five years since I've had a car payment. Literally, my wife and I, we've had both of our cars paid off for quite some time. Adding that back into the budget... I know. Not no, fun. No fun. Anyways, but we'll... We'll make do. All right. Uh, let's uh, actually dive in and talk some sports. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books and my apartment. Smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> that open will never not get old. <laughs> it's so awesome. I love Anchorman. Any of you out there know that reference? Absolutely. But uh, let's actually get started here, and let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Utah Jazz, Michelle. Uh, as mentioned, uh, their season will officially come to a close uh, tomorrow afternoon as they are playing today at twelve at one thirty, and tomorrow at one thirty. Uh, they play the Nuggets in their home finale today, and then they travel to L.A. tomorrow to take on the Lakers. Uh, officially eliminated from postseason contention with a loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder on Thursday. But I'm, in a way, I'm relieved the season is over. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, no, I get that. Well, the, I guess the, the bigger point is, is this was a team that exceeded all expectations. 1,000%. Like the, I was 1, actually, 000%. I got an email last night from, they, you probably get the same emails I get. They give from like different betting uh, sites that say, hey, let's look back at like our projections versus reality and whatnot. And they were talking about uh, over under win totals uh-huh. for NBA teams. What they had sent out at the beginning of the year, how things panned out. Well, I, I had forgotten this uh, site. I don't remember what the name of the site was. They had the Jazz at 23 and a half wins going into the season. They got to 36. So they okay. absolutely blew that number out of the water. Yeah, and that's good. I, this is a Jazz team that, let's be honest, since the trade deadline, they have been trying to tank. I, I don't think I'm breaking any confidences by saying that just based on the moves they made and everything else they had done, they were trying to get near the top of the lottery. As things stand right now, they're going to be inside the top 10 with an outside shot of getting uh, that top pick. You're, the percentages are all kinds of out there, but... The nice part is I think this team has proven that they've actually got a nice uh, couple of pieces to build around, maybe two or three, and the fact of the matter is they actually now have draft capital to add to that. Yeah. I, I mean, you, that that was something that we kind of talked about a lot throughout the season uh, is I, I think trying trying to overall do your best mm-hmm. to really figure out what you have that you want to keep and work with and build around 
And I think they did that. So now, now it's just a matter of seeing, you know, who do they trade out and who do they bring in mm-hmm. to kind of continue to build upon that little bit of success that they had this past season. Well, yeah, and that that will also be the big question because, yes, they do have the draft capital. They've got three first-round picks this year alone. They've got their own, they've got the Timberwolves, and they've got – might be the Lakers. they got one other one that uh, they can play with, obviously. If you want to make a move in the draft, you can package those potentially. The other – I think under-reported story, something you mentioned, is that they have actual uh, salary cap space. They mm-hmm. got estimated the, – the salary cap to me in, uh, in any, any sport now, it feels like it's a myth in a way because people are so able to kind of alter things. But the way it looks right now, the Jazz have $60 million to work with. And that's a significant portion of money that you can throw at a free agent or at multiple free agents in an effort to bring pieces in. So – I guess my question to you is, with regards to where the Jazz should go, would you rather them, with a guy like uh, Larry Markinen over there, you also got Walker Kessler, you got Ochai Abaji, who are young players, mm-hmm. would you rather them try and make a splash right now and go out and get an established star or stars in the free agent pool, if that's possible, or would you rather play a little more of the slow play, get built up through the draft, and hopefully have a payoff two or three years down the line? Ooh. That's a good question. You know, I I feel like I've always been more of a big picture person. Okay. And so I probably would go with the young guys that you hope will kind of stick around, grow together, kind of have that Stockton, Malone, Jeff <laughs> okay. Hornacek, like sure. that kind of just all come up together and, and they end up being legends in this city. Because it's been a little while since we've had that. I don't know that I would really qualify like Gobert and Mitchell and I mean like they were around for a while Mm -hmm. but I don't I don't know that if they did enough to kind of have that same kind of aura about them (laughs) I suppose yeah so I I and I think that's what this city's like really kind of longing for I think that's what the jazz or what jazz fans are kind of longing for is is a little bit of a tip of the cap to the old days, and I, I don't know that you accomplish that by bringing in established guys. Sure. Uh, that I mean, the next year they're gone again, well, potentially. And, and that that's the thing about this is, <laughs> I don't know how much you you pay attention to social media during jazz games, but, and uh, the the biggest thing with with how things have the conversations on social media have gone over the past month or so are that they brought in guys like Luka Shamanich, uh, who's the guy who came in from the main Red Claws, a former first-round pick of the Spurs. They just announced yesterday they signed him to a multi-year deal. Essentially, he's got a deal for the rest of this season, all of two games, and some partially guaranteed money to make sure he's on the roster going into training camp. Next year, Chris Dunn, similar circumstance, went through two 10-day contracts. They signed him to a deal similar. The debate has been, okay, can a Chris Dunn, can Samanich, can some of these younger players that were Guys they brought in and kind of gave a tryout to on those 10-day contracts, can they stick with this core and be a part of that moving forward? Or are they, as you mentioned, a one-year rental or in some cases have been like a 10-day rental? Yeah, I I mean, that's kind of, I think, one of the hard things about pro sports. It's, again, we get impatient. We <laughs> No, uh, Michelle, come on. <laughs> we want to win, like, right now. Yeah. And uh, it's, it sometimes, I think, gets a little bit, easy for people to get discouraged to keep players on the bench when really they maybe need 
the experience and and that means that you have to kind of sit there and grind your teeth (laughs) watching them. Uh, I think Laurie Markkinen is a prime example of that. He finally landed someplace that was willing to kind of work with him and, and let him grow and figure out, you know, who he is as a player out on the court. Uh, and so, you know, I, I mean, some of these other places that maybe had him for a minute, I, I, it's hard to say, but there, there's always that possibility that they're sure. looking at him now and going, well, dang, like <laughs> if we had just like waited a little bit, if we had been a little more patient, if we hadn't been so, we got to get this right now, you know, we might still have this guy on our roster. So it, but I, I mean, I also get on, on the other side, like you're there to win and you're spending a lot of money to try and win. And so if you're not getting results, you kind of have to, at some point start looking at, you know, okay, how, how do we go about fixing this? Who do we bring in? Sure, It's a very fine line to tiptoe. Well, okay, and you want the the cautionary tale? It's the Dallas Mavericks. They went out, made that trade at the trade deadline. Uh, Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets were blowing things up. They they were moving Kyrie. They're moving KD. The the Mavs hopped in, getting Kyrie, thinking, okay, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to push us over the top. Him and Luka, they're going to be the combo that gets us over the top, gets us into the playoffs, and we'll be okay. Uh, Instead, they're going to miss the playoffs. They're they're they are they've they've already waved the white flag. Uh, Kyrie Irving, as well as four of the role players, sat out last night in a loss to the Bulls, which eliminated them from the playing games. <laughs> but the biggest question now is: you traded a bunch of draft capital, players, etc., to Brooklyn to bring Kyrie in, knowing that he's on expiring contract, and the hope is to re-sign him. But he could easily just say, you know what, I'm out, bye, and all of a sudden Dallas is like, oh bleep, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's, I, th- I think the Jazz is a little bit smarter. Than well, they, that. They, it, they've been, yeah, that's it, what I'm saying. They've yeah. been smart about building because they're not, they're not just tossing all their eggs in one basket. Right. It, it seems like there is a strategy there. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's a methodical strategy. It's not, it like you said, a throw all your eggs in one basket and hope for the best. Like. They haven't been reckless u- using <laughs> everything that they've acquired sure. all at once. Um, I think they've been doing their homework and really trying to bring in guys that, A, will kind of get along mm-hmm. and put a good product out on the court, but that also will be good cultural fits here. And I think, again, that's maybe more important here than it is other places sure. e- even for a pro team yeah uh may, but I, I it's I, i'm curious to see what they end up doing how how they kind of choose to proceed from here well and that that will be the, the question you're right like what's the strategy moving forward now because you said they've executed a pretty good strategy it feels like mm-hmm. Danny Ainge there's a running joke uh, amongst media out there that if Danny Ainge calls another NBA executive you just you just push ignore they, they, like he he he's been so good for so long at fleecing other teams we're talking making moves and the moves to get uh, to tear down the core of the Jazz were, in many cases, highly, highly unpopular. Mm-hmm. But there is that famous story of him uh, sitting out there and saying in the draft room last year, 
You guys having fun here? He's like he's he's literally telling his owner. He's telling Ryan Smith, "You having fun here with no draft capital, having no draft picks? You get to here on draft night and do nothing." And they're like, "No, we're not having very much fun." And he's like, <laughs> "But he's right." I, I mean, he is right. Like they needed to have something. Yeah, you, ha- you have to be able to make moves of some kind, whether it's in the draft, whether yeah. it's bringing in. Yeah, they were capped out and they had trade, no draft picks. Yeah, trade trading for players. Like you have to be able to make some kind of move. You have to be able to make some kind of adjustment every year. Now, some of those moves and adjustments are going to be bigger mm-hmm. or smaller depending on the year and what your needs are. Yes. But when you're in a place that you're sitting, literally sitting on your hands and can't do anything, yeah. like that's a problem. Yep. That, that's poor management. Well, and I, I will also, I'll say the one thing about the, the previous regime with the Jazz led by Dennis Lindsay, mm-hmm. they had pushed all the chips into the, into the middle just in an effort to say, okay, we've got two all-star players. In theory, we should be better than we are. Did they invest the wrong way in the pieces around those two All-Stars? Okay, there's an argument to be made there. But they had pushed all their chips into the middle, and Danny Ainge came in and said, okay, you tried, it didn't work. Yeah, It's going to hurt in the immediate short term. At least I think they actually thought it was going to hurt a lot more potentially. Oh, I, I think how, all of us how, how could you not? Because you, you're trading away two All-Stars, and you're like, okay, what are we getting back? Well, they brought in two guys, essentially got two draft picks in Ojai and as well as Walker Kessler. And I'll say this. I was a huge Ochai Abaji fan going into last year's draft cycle. I, I, I was hoping and praying that the Jazz would put some kind of deal together to go get Ochai. He was a guy watching him play at Kansas. He was the most valuable player in the Final Four last year, leading Kansas to that title. I was like, that guy screams jazz man to me. That was, and when they got him in that trade, I'm like, I like that. My question was, okay, how quickly can he get up to mm-hmm. speed? And it did take him some time. He spent some time in the G League. But Walker Kessler, absolutely phenomenal. Lowry Marketing puts together an all-star level season. Yeah, I think the jazz, all of us looking at it at the outset now as you look back on it, the hindsight yeah. theory, I think we all were like, man, this is going to hurt. Like this season's going oh. to hurt. But it played out a heck of a lot better than we ever could have hoped for. You got an all-star caliber player who is going to be the the piece you build around, the main piece you build around, I think. Or at least he'll be the Robin to somebody's Batman, potentially. Then you have two emerging rookies, one of which I think is going to be a high-level rotation piece on the wing. The other one's going to be the pillar of your defense and is already offering at least 75% of what Rudy Gobert did for one-eighth the price. It's in a pretty good spot, all things considered, in just about 18 months' time. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can be too unhappy with <laughs> with how things ultimately played out. And we'll see, like I said, what kind of moves they, they can and do make mm-hmm. uh, this off season, and how it kind of all comes together in year two. But I, I think you have to feel pretty good. Well, heading into this offseason. And, and they kind of jump-started their rebuild in so many different ways. That's the nice part. All right. Uh, we will take a timeout here. I meant to also talk a little college football in this opening stanza. We'll do that next. Uh, you mentioned kind of it was a slow week. And yeah. it really was because oh, yeah. BYU took the week off. Like, players were doing training. Some of them went to Disneyland. Hey, Co- yo. Coaches were all over the country. Uh, so it was a weird week at BYU spring ball-wise. You mentioned Utah is kind of in a slow week, slow spring ball in a way as well. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk kind of about where things stand for both of those programs. We'll get to all that next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome in to the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch along for the ride on this Saturday morning. Hope you guys are doing well. The Masters uh, well underway. Uh, Michelle, did you see the trees yesterday that fell? I did see something about that. Um, you, did you see the video of it? It's I, a terrifying scene. Oh, I didn't watch the video. There's a whole video. Oh, yeah. Corey, oh, you, you probably saw it. Didn't you see it? Yeah, that's crazy. I've never, uh, and the people are just kind of standing like, is this really happening? Yeah, and they're like, like scrambling to get out of the way. <laughs> big trees. Yep. These are not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I saw the pictures and they were big trees. Huh? Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and actually find that video. I was kind of trying to be like super low key yesterday. It was Smart. my day off. <laughs> and sometimes okay. I'm really bad about still like looking at stuff. Sure. And I really tried to not do that yesterday. Uh, good on you. Good on you. <laughs> Props to you. It was just, it was absolutely crazy. Cause I didn't see it live. I had, a, I had a, actually, I think I'm going to like get food or something like that with my kids. And I got home and I pull up, I opened my phone and like, you know how like Twitter, it'll kind of populate with whatever's late mm-hmm. and said, I hope everybody's okay. At Augusta. And I'm like, what, what happened? What do you mean? <laughs> So I start like obviously just search Augusta, and also in this video is on seventeen. These three just gigantic old growth trees, and it, because of the wind, just came t- toppled over. And oh you literally see, as Corey said, people scrambling down because they're they're lining that fairway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. And they're back underway this morning. So assuming they got the chainsaws out there and cleaned up the mess and everything, but crazy, crazy scenes down there in Augusta. But yeah, glad to hear nobody was seriously injured by it. it just. Definitely. That could have ended horribly. Yeah. And instead of us kind of chuckling about it. Yeah. But it's just you don't ever expect necessarily that to play out. And obviously the yesterday's round got marred by the weather and something they've been kind of monitoring. They've actually got multiple uh, uh, groups going off 10. Right, Corey? Uh, Tiger Woods, Tony Finau among them. Yeah. Tiger will be actually the last group going off of 10. So he's going to tee off at the same time that Brooks Kepka and John Rahm are teeing off on one. Tigers in the last group teeing off on 10 because he made the cut on the number. Well, congratulations to Kepka and Ron. They're going to have actually a very light crowd considering they're the leaders, considering yeah. Tigers going off the same time as them. Yeah. <laughs> he still draws. I don't know if, you, if you've paid attention. The crowds that Tiger still draws are insane. Uh, that doesn't shock me. Uh, he's just a, kind of a cultural phenom. Oh, yeah. Especially well, in the world of golf. So. I, I'm not going to lie. The 97 Masters will be ever for something I can just recall on demand. I, it was, it's one of those tournaments I will never forget. I was a young kid who was just obsessed with golf and watching Tiger do what he did, especially in 97, will forever stick with me. So one of those fun things. I, I know like golf's not for everybody, 
Yeah, but, it's not for me. Oh, come on, Michelle. I Have you played? I have never played. I don't really care to play, but we need to get you out on the links. What I <laughs> I what I do like is being outside. Okay. And well, well, you've been a part of the Utah Social Open. Mm-hmm. I've played in it a couple of times. I I like being the designated golf cart driver and and yeah. I will be here to drink all of your screwdrivers. Okay. Well, so <laughs> Sweet, even better. Okay. <laughs> Michelle, we're taking you golfing at some point here. We're going to have some fun. Uh, All right, so let's talk a little uh, spring football here. As I mentioned right before the break, it's kind of been just – it's been a really weird lull, especially in BYU because BYU literally took the week off. Yeah, you just explained this to me because I was very confused. I was like, wait a minute. Didn't we just, like, talk about their, like, big finale for Uh the year? Oh, no, 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 not their finale. It was like the – I don't know. The The warm-up to the finale? Sure, let's go with that. (laughs) I don't know, but so they did four straight weeks of spring ball all through the month of March. Or they started kind of the beginning of March, and they made it through early April. Did twelve of their fifteen practices. You're allotted fifteen by the NCAA mm-hmm. rules, and then decided, you know what? It's going to be spring break uh, this past week, and they the, literally took the week off. They had players doing uh, workouts. They would get in the weight room and everything, and make sure they're keeping their lifts and everything going. But Coaches uh, went out on vacation. I saw videos of some of the coaches at Disneyland, some players at Disneyland down there in Southern California, other players getting engaged. Uh, by the way, big ups to Max Tooley, their star linebacker, got engaged. He's on a trip in Costa Rica this week. So Okay. So they, they, they're in, and Max hasn't really been participating in spring ball. He's had a shoulder injury that he had to have surgery on to fix uh, during the offseason. So it's just kind of been a weird thing because – We've been go, 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 go with BYU. All of a sudden, like, you know what? We're going to hit the brakes for a second here, and then we're going to restart it next week. <laughs> They'll be back on Monday. They'll finish up with three more practices. Uh, we're supposed to have two more media availabilities next week. But in some ways, it feels almost the same as you were kind of mentioning about Utah, where Utah has been going, mm-hmm. but it's just it's felt really— It's been very low-key. Yeah, that's a good it's point. It's been yeah. very, very low-key. Uh, and— I, I found it kind of interesting from the standpoint of very much like la- I mean it's pretty much the same team that that's been around. I mean minus a few pieces here and there, obviously like Bryn Covey's no longer there. Mm-hmm. Devin Lloyd, uh, we're not going to have Clark Phillips or Dalton Kincaid, but for the most part, it's the same team they fielded since 2021. Mm, good point. And it just doesn't feel like. We're talking a whole lot about him, and I think it's by design, to be honest. I think last year the hype and the excitement around them was maybe a bit much, Um, and I think they're trying to maybe keep a little bit of a lower profile. But I also think having, you know, your star quarterback kind of a little bit in a limbo limbo type area uh, with what's going on with him and his knee – also maybe plays a bit into that uh that that there's a little more wait and see as to what what to expect when it comes to utah football in 2023 all right doing a little uh programming on the air we're gonna have brian taylor actually live from augusta here in just a moment so okay. we're gonna get him on the line we'll check in with the masters but uh, to your to your point though uh i'm gonna do this on the air uh Bottom line, bottom, very bottom one there on the phones. All right, so uh, now when it comes to, you mentioned the fact that it, just, it has been the same team, and yeah. it has been. 
Like more, you've, more or less. You've you mentioned you've lost to Britton Covey. You've lost to Devin Lloyd along the way. Yeah, uh, you're losing Braden Daniels this year. Like there have been guys who have moved on, but there are still so many holdovers. Mm. And you're right. In some ways, it kind of lends itself to the story kind of being an old hat in a way. Yeah, and I, I know that sounds kind of negative and uh, like a downer in a way. But it's not a bad thing as well. No. Because it's been such a good team. If, it, if this was a team that had been kind of scuffling along, everybody would be like, oh. oh my gosh, like when, when are we getting the new cycle in? <laughs> but yeah. it's like, I, I think there is a little bit of, oh, let's hang on to this for as long as possible. Well, write it. Yeah, write it. And yeah. See, see how much more juice you can squeeze out of this orange. Uh, to- but but I do. I, I think Utah's just been keeping a much lower profile this spring mm-hmm. than like last year. Last year, it just felt like it was constant hype and go 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 and it's just felt a lot more quiet this year sure. uh and i and like i said i think a lot of it's by design yeah i i think utah kind of wants to go back to that fly under the radar bit a little bit more um and i think they're perfectly okay with like usc and UW and oregon getting more love than them despite despite the fact it is the same team and i, I Logic says that if you're basically returning the same team, that you're probably the one that should be hyped more. But it's just, it's been a very interesting spring. It's been quiet. Um, It's been hard to glean a whole lot. Uh, And it's, it's fall camp. I think fall camp is where things kind of crank up a little bit. And I think that Florida game, that first Florida game mm-hmm. is going to be absolutely well, massive. And that's the thing about this. This this team has to get out of the gate very quick. Similar to last year. Like mm-hmm. you've got Florida and it's, there's no warm up game. It's like, we're jumping right into the deep end. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get out to Augusta actually and check in with Brian Taylor from Bill Golf Radio. Heard him earlier this morning. Uh, they're live there watching all things going on with the Masters. BT, what's up? Hey, good morning, guys. I hate to interrupt Utah football talk to talk about the Masters. Hey, but, we, we talked Utah um, football with you. Come on now. Let's be real. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, BT, uh, I, I, I mentioned this right as you opened the segment. Uh, crazy scenes yesterday there in Augusta with the trees toppling over due to the wind. Uh, I know Augusta's like this fine, uh, well-tuned machine when it comes to their ground screw. How quickly was all that cleaned up? Yeah, I mean, you would never know it's there today, but um, that was a scary situation. I mean, I, I, I have to think it's a bit of a miracle that nobody got injured. Yeah. You know, they ended up being a cluster of three trees that fell right there. And, and thankfully, it kind of ran, fell kind of towards right in front of the tee box. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people scattered. They said they could hear the cracking. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – that's a <laughs> – I've been – we have a cabin up in the mountains, and we've uh, we've felled some trees before, and it's – when that, those things come crashing down, it's it's scary. There's a lot of momentum, a lot of weight. And so uh, the fact that that happened, I've never seen anything like that happen out here. So I'm sure there was – I kept telling Bob, I wonder what that meeting was like. You know, <laughs> how the chairman wanted to know, how, how in the world did three trees just fall like that? That's amazing. So, But, uh, yeah, thankfully no one was injured. What has the weather kind of been like out there? I was just barely in Greenville, South Carolina, and had a bit of an adventure getting home because of the weather kind of tearing through the south. What What's it been like out at Augusta? Yeah, so this week's been a little bit of everything. It was hot and humid, um, just really nice, beautiful conditions. 
for uh, for most of the week. Last weekend for the Augusta National Women's Amateur Finals, we had rain and some delays, and and here we are again on a Saturday, you know, Friday afternoon, Saturday with with some of those weather delays. But you know what? <clears throat> As you know, in the South, these, these storms can pick up in a hurry, and a lot of times they pack a lot of electricity and power with them. And, and that's the stuff where they have to clear the golf course. Thankfully, we haven't had the electricity. The rain has been fairly nonstop, although right now we got a little bit of a break and the clouds are a little higher. But, um, you know, it, it, they've been it's it's kind of soggy conditions. Here's here's the good thing. Um, while it went from almost 90 degrees down into the 40s, which is definitely different and the golf course is slower and, and longer because of it, um, the, the Augusta National has – had provisions put in place for years to handle weather. Uh, they don't they don't want to be disrupted or, or have situations where players are not able to get out there and play the golf course. So they have this massive sub-air system that runs underneath the, all of the greens and through some of the patron walk areas and that type of thing. So they're able to suck the moisture out, keep the greens in playable condition, and, and it's really amazing what they can do, quite frankly. So if there's any place that's suitable for uh, these types of conditions coming in and still hosting a major championship, it's Augusta National, and guys are out there playing. The cut's been made. Uh, third round's underway. Yeah, they're uh, sending groups off of 10. Actually, we're like, right as we're talking with UBT, Tony Finau hitting a shot there. Uh, and they're, all these guys are bundled up a little bit. But how different uh, does that will, that will will that affect guys, having the fact you mentioned it goes from the 80s and 90s to potentially the 50s? Will that affect them at all in terms of their play? Well, yeah. I mean, the biggest, like I said, the biggest thing is the distance, right? I mean, yeah. we saw Justin Thomas, you know, on 18, he had his tee shot 237 yards. Correct. 237 yard tee shot left him with 217, and he hit a hit a, a fairway wood and, and and missed it left of the green. So yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think some one of the other players was mentioning that you know they had uh, 200 yards into number 17 you know, hitting a four iron and they normally hit nine iron into that green. So yeah, it plays very different. In fact, one of the interesting side stories that's going on in golf right now is this USGA proposal to roll the ball back, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to make it shorter and, and try to control some of the distance. You're getting a little bit of a preview of what that might look like right now. That's the irony is in these conditions with the ball not traveling, you know, I mean, guys like you and I, we'd go out there and, and we'd be hitting, you know, fairway woods into all these par fours uh, with a rolled back ball in these conditions. So it is it is interesting to know. Who who has been standing out so far? Well, you know, Brooks Kepka put on a show for the first two rounds and he's just been, you know, he got a bit of a luck of the draw because he shot those uh, that 65, 67, and then he's been sitting at home mm-hmm. while everybody else has had to slog it through the, the bad weather. But, you know, what John Rahm did today to finish up his second round of, uh, to go 65, 69 and, and get to 10 under par. Uh, in, in the, so he had nine holes to play to complete his second round and to go one under uh, on, the, on the second nine here at Augusta in those kind of conditions, swirling wind, heavy rains, you know, um, pretty impressive. I, you know, look, John Rahm opened up with a four-putt double on Thursday on his very first hole and then went on to go nine under par from there to shoot a seven under 65. And that's pretty amazing stuff. And yeah, I was impressed with him in his interview afterwards. We played some of that on the show this morning, <clears throat> but um, you know, it's the lowest round in masters history that started with a double pogey. So, <laughs> you know, he's got it going on and then, you know, he kind of had to deal with the weather. So he had it rolling yesterday too. He had it, he had it up to, I think 11, and and then this you know kind of exchange bogeys and birdies coming down the stretch today through the bad weather, 
So, I, you know, I, I like both those players. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first time in Masters history that the two players have been in double digits under par at the halfway point. So um, players taking advantage of uh, some good scoring. Um, the other the other standout is the amateur. I mean, you just you, we haven't seen an amateur in this kind of a position since Ken Venturi back in the 50s. But, uh, you know, you got Bennett out there at eight under par, Paris 68, a single bogey mm-hmm. on his card so far through two rounds, and it's his first time playing in this type of event is uh, really unbelievable. So keep an eye on Sam Bennett. I think he's going to be fun to watch. And then Patrick Cantley off to a really nice start, three under par through four holes, and he's moved up to five under, tied for six right now. So there, those are some of the guys that are making some moves and, and guys to watch. Brian Taylor joining me, Jay Catch, and Michelle Bodkin here on the KSL Sports Zone live from Augusta. And BT, uh, you mentioned Kepka. I-, I watched the majority of both of his rounds. You're right. He took advantage of the weather conditions. Do you feel like uh, with the weather today that he may come back to the pack in a way? Because you mentioned John Rahm. He had pre- pretty masterful performance in his own right. But do you feel like the fact with both of them at 10 and 12 under will come back to the pack at all? You know, that's the question. You know, we we visited with Jordan Spieth after his round yesterday, and, and that's all he could hope for. He's like, look, if you're chasing, you know, you want the weather to be as bad as possible because it could cause, you know, some big numbers out there and give us a chance. So, you know, if you're chasing and you shoot a couple under par, you can really make up some ground, whereas if it's perfect conditions, you know, and the guys are hot, they're going to continue to, to kind of run away and hide, and, and you won't be able to catch it be too far back. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, it's certainly possible. I, I, I'm not, I, I can't see this being completely a two horse race and, you know, Kepka's been sitting out for a while, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he, you know, he hasn't played for, for a little yeah. while. So uh, I, I kind of give the advantage to John Rom. you know, he's been out in the conditions. He's, he's knows what it feels like. He's kind of got some of the feels. The greens are a little slower because of the moisture on them, things like that. So Kepka's going to have an adjustment period. Uh, but look, we'll, we'll wait and see. Kepka's a bit of a, stone cold killer in these uh, major championships as we've seen throughout his career but it's just surprising because we haven't seen hardly anything out of him with the injury and some of the things he's dealt with that knee you know we just haven't seen much of Brooks Kepka and then his move to the live tour even though he won last year last week on the live tour you know not it's just hard to know what that really means to beat you know 40 other guys versus to win a PGA tour event coming into this so uh, he's you know he's a bit of an anomaly it's uh, the fourth time in his career that he's had a 36-hole lead or co-lead in major championships, and he's two for three in that uh, situation. The only time he didn't convert it was at the Masters, so we'll see uh, We'll see what happens this afternoon. I'm not going to lie, BT, watching full swing, it looked like Kepka was like, completely defeated just in his episode, so I'm with you. It's absolutely impressive that he's doing what he's doing, but you're right, he's, he is a stone-cold killer, it seems like, in majors. All right, uh, last thing before we let you go, BT, uh, a few years ago when the pandemic was going on, you and Bob uh, purchased the, the, the box, the Taste of the Masters box, and brought it over to the Zone <laughs> Studios. Uh, it's still one of the yeah. highlights of my radio career having that and we had a great time with you guys doing that uh but what is your go-to there at augusta food wise you know uh we're pretty spoiled here they have a whole restaurant i know i know they do yeah so we're we we actually like uh you know you can order up uh you know you your two eggs however you want them cooked with sausage or bacon or some breakfast potatoes and then a side of pancakes if you want with some fresh cut fruit so they really kind of spoil you but let's just stick with the the concessions right because mm-hmm. when you're out on the golf course and we like to be out there this as nice as this building is i mean you can, it, it always pains me to think i've come all this way and i'm this close to the most beautiful golf course in the world and not go out on the golf course so sure. i try to spend as much time out on the golf course as i can 
And I'll be honest, I, they have a ham and cheese on rye that is one of my favorites. Uh, that That's my, if I'm actually hungry, that's what I go to. If I'm going for just the taste of the masters and tradition, I'm an egg salad guy. I'm not a pimento cheese guy. Love the egg salad sandwich. It's very plain. So I like to, So if I'm going, here's, here's how far into this I am, Jake. If I'm going egg salad, I got the, I'm going with the barbecue chips, okay? Okay. <clears throat> if I'm going with the ham and, and Swiss on rye, I'm going plain chips because there's just enough uh, there. And also they have a uh, that's underrated. They have a they have a barbecue sandwich. It's almost like a slider. It's not very big, but it's uh, like a sauced up, you know, shredded barbecue pork sandwich. And that also with the plain kettle chips that that they that they sell that that that's money. You don't need to go barbecue and barbecue, right? I mean, no. let's, let's be honest. You got to have the contrast there, right? So, um, but yeah, that's that that those are those are kind of my go to sandwiches. Um, the uh, the diet cola. There's no name brand. So of course, we're in Cokeville out here in, in Georgia, you know, headquarters in Atlanta. So I know, yeah. you, you know it's Diet Coke, but it only says Diet Cola. So uh, I, I do tend to get through a few of those. And then behind the clubhouse, I, I still I will argue with anybody, but whatever lemonade they serve right behind the clubhouse is a little bit sweeter and better than the ones out on the golf course. So I do have to stop in and get a little bit of that, that lemonade uh, from time to time behind the clubhouse. So those, those are some of my go-tos out here, but yeah, you can't really go wrong. And by, and by the way, you can do all that for about eight bucks, which is nice. That's crazy. You can buy the entire thing. I read this 66 bucks. You can buy everything on that concessions menu. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. Wow. All right. And I can tell you this. The, much Georgia, the Georgia peach, Georgia peach ice cream sandwiches are pretty legendary. Those, those only yes. really started coming out a couple of years ago. And then they weren't here last year, and people were freaking out, and they, they brought them back. I'll tell you what they did do, though. Here's some insight. Okay. The first year, they were like full-on sugar cookies with ice cream in the middle. And oh, I'm talking wow. like sugar sugar sprinkles. Like it was really super. Like it was too sweet. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I, I like it. It's great, but it was like way over the top. Well, they, I think they, the reason they went away is they were re-engineering these things. They've come back this year, and it's a little bit more like a uh, just a lightly sweet um, biscuit almost around that peach ice cream, and it is phenomenal. So uh, they, they they nailed it. They they got the two sweetness. They, they figured it out. They got it a little too sweet in the beginning. They remedied it, and uh, they were sold out um, on Friday afternoon. You couldn't even get one around here. So um, pretty cool stuff. Well, you know my dad, Papa Hatch. He's a big fan of that barbecue sandwich, and he said those peach the ice cream sandwiches <laughs> are absolutely phenomenal. I told him, hey, next time you go, I, I want to go with you. So we'll see what we can do, BT. But thanks again yeah, for carving out some bring, time it's hard for to bring us. Bring those back. <laughs> What's up? Thanks again for yeah. co- joining us and enjoy the rest of your time down there in Augusta. All right. Yeah, you got it. Always good to visit with you guys. Fun to be with you all week long. It's a. Uh, yeah, I always tell people it's a super long week. We've been here since last Friday. Um, but it always goes so fast, right? Sure. So it's hard to believe it's already been a week, and there's only one more day. So, hey, by the way, um, Bob Casper mm-hmm. uh, drew out is one of the lucky ones. He got hey. in the lottery, so he'll be playing the golf course on Monday. And uh, I'm still, I'm still hopeful for a for a second go round. But um, so uh, happy for Bob that he gets to get out there and play on Monday. Tell Bob we're all super jealous of him, but uh, and also just you know punch him for us because he he gets to play the course. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He's, he's he's feeling pretty good about life right now. So All right. Thanks again, BT. Fun time. Okay. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. There you go. Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. You hear them every Saturday morning here on the KSL Sports. They do a great job, and they have absolutely killed it down there in Augusta. And it's true. 66 bucks. You buy everything on that concessions menu, Michelle. That doesn't sound like a terrible deal. No, it's not. Yeah. The, the only problem is, you know, you have a, I think it's a 0.55% chance of drawing out for a one-day tag. If you, if as a regular patron, so yeah. you know, 
the odds are not in your favor, but if you can get down there, you can enjoy yourself pretty heavily with not a lot of money. All right, so uh, we will come back on the other side. We will uh, talk about what's going on in the uh, world of sports, but more in the vein of who's behaving badly in sports. It's technical fouls, right? Coming up next, right here on the KSL Sports Zone. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show. As you heard, it is time now for technical fouls as we reward people for behaving badly in sports. And, Corey, I think yours is a good one to launch off on, so we'll have you fire first today. Yeah, I guess I wouldn't really say behaving badly, but just the team-killing aspect. Uh, Kyrie Irving gets my technical foul. Uh, When the Dallas Mavericks went all in, they were in fifth in the West. Uh Uh-huh. And Kyrie Irving was able to lead them to an 11th place finish uh, and out of the playoffs altogether. So you're in fifth, you go all in, trade for a team killer, and you finish 11th. That's about what Mark Cuban deserves for going out and going all in with Kyrie Irving. So I'll go with Kyrie for my tech. It's not a bad technical foul because you're right. They they were in firm playoff positioning. They said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go get, some people call him big research, bring him in, and it literally Killed them like they're they're they literally sat everybody last night because they just waved the white flag on the season. Crazy, crazy times. All right, Michelle. Okay, uh, there are a few things that I just you don't touch and you don't make light of. Mm-hmm. Trail of Tears is one of them. Uh, the atrocities of our black brothers and sisters in the South oh, yeah. is another. This one is definitely one. WWE apologizes for using Auschwitz footage in pro WrestleMania promo. The pro wrestling body said it moved quickly after learning about the offensive offensive gaffe, adding, we apologize for this error. I just... Um, the So the Auschwitz Memorial Museum mm-hmm. put out... Uh, a statement saying exploiting the site that became a symbol of enormous human tragedy is shameless and insults the memory of all victims of Auschwitz. Um, I have a hard time buying that this was an accident and an oversight. Like, like this is just one of those things. Like you just need to know better. Uh Like, like there, there is no oops. I didn't really think this through. Like, this is just something you don't, touch you don't make light of it's Mm -hmm. not funny there's no way you can twist this to make it funny or amusing or entertaining this caused a lot of hurt and pain and damage to a group of people oh yeah it just like i said listed off a couple of them don't ever touch those they're they're, yeah they're just off limits well let's just put it this way i've got a grandmother who is from germany who left germany right before all this went down and she's very sensitive to all that so yeah it's no bueno don't do that and yeah you're right there's no like oh i just found the no 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 no. yeah all right i'm gonna get us out of here on one i guess on a lighter note um 
So Jill Biden, uh, obviously wife of Joe Biden, president of the United States, uh, made some headlines, let's put it this way, last weekend by saying this, quote, I know we'll have the champions come to the White House. We always do. So we hope LSU will come, the first lady said. But, you know, I'm going to tell Joe I think Iowa should come, too, because they played such a good game. No, Jill. Champions only. <laughs> I think I get the sentiment. Yes. And, and I I like where it came from but yeah that that is just a reward for you win it all you win it all you get that trip maybe invite iowa another time sure but don't but, yeah but together no that that's lsu's thing regardless of how you feel about lsu yeah uh and kim mulkey <laughs> sure but angel reese like uh, LSU star player, she ha- she tagged that tweet with crying laughing emojis and says, a joke. Like, she was like, oh, no, yeah, no, she no. was not having that. We, we ain't doing this. And by the way, I got to give cl- uh, credit to Caitlin Clark. Uh, handled what was a really re- – it, it shouldn't have gotten to the level it got to. The, no. The debate on both sides. But to Caitlin Clark's credit, she's like, no, she can talk. We're competitors. Like, we play basketball. And she won. Like, I, I – I'm a bigger Caitlin Clark fan today than I was before that. And I was already a big fan of her. She's absolutely phenomenal. Well, and she I she made a great point. And yeah. here's the thing is a bunch of people got their panties in a wad because <laughs> women were doing exactly what dudes do. Good point. Good, all the time. And that gets celebrated. But, oh, my gosh, girls talking their ish <laughs> and going after each other. You know what? As long as nobody's ripping wigs off or, uh-huh. you know— ripping eyelashes out like or fingernails like let them talk let them do their thing let them get in each other's faces here's the thing is is that really my style is that what i would do no but like a lot of competitors that's what they're like Mm -hmm. that that's how they compete let them do their thing it's not that big of a deal the fact that they're girls doesn't make that any different uh amen to that i just they're competitors. They're, they're some of the best basketball players on this planet. By the way, the fact that both of them are going to come back to college next year and make more than WNBA players are going to make is just crazy to me, but good on them at the same time. Right. But you're right. The, the, they, they're doing the same thing we hear in every other sport. Yeah. Like, let them do their thing. And they're both alpha-level competitors. One thousand, yeah. Let, just <laughs> let them do their thing. <laughs> And treat them like the competitors that they are. They're competitors. It it went down a really, really bad path. It went down a really bad path. Don't be that person. No. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's only for champions, Jill. Just don't – because she got herself into some hot water by saying that too. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy week on the the women's basketball front. Let's just (laughs) – Yeah, we got to figure out how to – Talk about handle that, which is exactly the same as the dudes. Yeah, it is. But it, I, it, it was so. I'm like, here's the thing. Like, they're really, really good basketball players. Enjoy that aspect of it. But you know, we for some reason have to do things differently with different genders, apparently. But it shouldn't be that way. Because you're right. Because we see the exact same thing. I trust me. You played sports. I played sports. Oh yeah. And it's a. It feels like there. We we saw a double standard exposed. Oh, one thousand percent. 1,000%. All right. All right. We're over time. We'll come back. <laughs>
we will uh, we're going to talk next. Uh, so some news emerged last weekend. It kind of dominated the headlines early this earlier this past week about uh, the future of pro sports in Salt Lake. We have a report out there from Canada about Ryan Smith and some interest in the NHL. What might that mean for the future of pro sports here in this market? We'll let you hear from Elliot Friedman next, right here on The Saturday Show. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.